An Inconvenient Truth. That is the series that we are in now. Hello, everyone. How are you going? My name is Shafin. Everyone say hi, Shafin. Well done. Awesome. It is so, so good to have everyone here with us tonight. Why don't we all turn around and give a big, massive welcome to people watching online. There's a camera right there behind you. Turn around. Give a big wave. Everyone say hello. Well done. Well done. Um, I've actually also got my brother, Ben, and his wife, Beck, and their kids with us at the back there, which is so, so good, them visiting. So, hi, Ben and Beck. Yeah, great. Awesome. Um, and especially, we are so stoked if you're here with us for the first time. It always takes guts to go somewhere for the first time, especially church. I know there's someone here that has come to church for the first time as well. Why don't we just give these guys a big, another big, loud round of applause. Woo! There we go. That's good. That's awesome. So good. Well, if you're here for the first time, you've landed in the middle of our series, An Inconvenient Truth. An Inconvenient Truth. There's many inconvenient truths in life. Um, Just the other day, I was driving along and I was confronted with the inconvenient truth that my fuel tank was empty, a big red light there. And so I had to have an unsuspected detour, had to fill up my car and it just put me out. It was a very inconvenient truth. And what this series is all about is digging up some of the biblical truths that are inconvenient, but nonetheless, they're truths that we've got to respond to, just like my red light on my fuel gauge. And so last week we spoke about the inconvenient truth called death, Um, something that inconveniently we're all going to face one day, and we spoke about what's happening on the other side of death. Um, and the title of that was called Afterlife, and you can check that out on YouTube or Facebook or on podcasts if you want to have a listen to that. Um, but tonight, we are going to be talking about the inconvenient truth, and the title of tonight's message is Love Your Enemies. Everyone say, Love Your Enemies. Love your enemies. That's it. Thanks. Um, but the thing is, probably most of you, if you're like me, be going, I don't have any enemies. What are you talking about? It's all good. I don't have a gun. I'm not like angry. I'm, I'm all good. I'm funny. Everyone's good. Everyone's good. Well, let's just test that theory. Um, let's reimagine or rephrase enemy as people who have different beliefs than us. People who behave differently than we do. People who even mistreat us. Let's just break it down a bit. If you think about those who believe differently, there's a whole lot of polarizing views right now in this political climate, right? Depending on what side of the aisle you fall on, then you might consider the other person as being, you wouldn't say it, but your enemy. You can treat them as an enemy and put a barrier up between you. So I'm going to list, I'm going to go through a list of opposing views and let's just see if you get triggered. All right. Are you ready to get triggered? A bit emotional, a bit like, oh, okay. First opposing view is Okay, this is going to cause this is some divisive comments right here. This is going to get some controversy gone. Um, north of the river is better than south of the river. Hey, hey. Although some people will say, no, no, south of the river is better than north of the river. Hey, there you go. Very controversial. What side of the aisle do you land on? I don't know. Some people will believe in man-made global warming. We need to do anything to stop it. Other people go, it's a farce, it's fake. Some people would say, I believe in gay marriage. Other people would say, no, 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 I don't believe in gay marriage. Do you just feel that emotion rising right now? Black lives matter. No, 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 all lives matter. I voted for Hillary. I voted for Trump. Liberal, Labor, Greens. 
Okay, take a big, deep breath, everyone. <laughs> Defund the police. The police are heroes. I don't immunise my kids. If you love your kids, you would immunise them. If you don't immunise them, you hate your own kids. Whoa. Pro-life, pro-choice. I believe in evolution. I believe in theistic evolution. I believe in a literal six-day creation. Throw the grenade over the fence. Jesus is the only way. All religions lead to God. I'm a Calvinist. I'm an Armenian. I'm an, whatever you say that, I'm an Armenian. This is the most polarizing. This is going to get our most, get ready to get triggered. Some people even say they go for the Dockers. Come, oh, if you are a legit West Australian, you know what team to go for. The West Coast No, no, no. We love our Fremantle Dockers uh, fans, as we have to say publicly. Publicly, we just declare we do. We even love our enemies. It's all good. So is, is anyone just feeling the emotion rising in the room? Anyone making comments on Facebook right now? <laughs> Keyboard warriors? Sometimes we can see our enemies, not with people with guns, but with people who have different beliefs than us people with different convictions to us. Our enemies can be people who have mistreated us. We've all experienced a level of being mistreated in our life. Let me tell you, if you follow Jesus, you will be mistreated to a certain extent. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, if they misunderstood me, they're going to do the same to you, if not worse. Um, If you follow Jesus, if you follow a Christian, you kind of sign up to a life of being misunderstood. And so I remember a few years ago, actually, I was part of like a, some sort of protesty march thing, right? I won't tell you what it was, but I remember I was, it was a lovely day. I was walking with a crowd of people, kind of just being carried along by the crowd, and we we're, were, were making our way into the centre of Melbourne in the CBD, and in the background, I heard this like, these drums and everything, and, and I re- I've never been part of something like this, and, I, and as I got closer and closer, I saw these barricades and, 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 and like police on horsemen, on horses, and I was thinking, whoa, this is, I didn't expect this. And I got there and there's this crowd with the opposing view um, in the centre of the city. And, I, and as I got closer and closer, I heard this yelling and this screaming and there was this barricade there. And as I made my way along the barricade, there was this one particular female who, she was extra passionate. She was just gone. And when our eyes connected, it's like just, she just went for me. She said, you expletive, she's gone after me. And I'm thinking, whoa, this, she doesn't even know me. She doesn't know the content of my character. She doesn't know about my life. But because I'm on the other side of the fence, I'm an enemy to her. She boxed me in. And I'm thinking, my goodness. And I thought, she's probably actually a very lovely lady. If I met her in the cafe, no doubt, she'd be like, oh, hello, how you going? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good weather. But because of this barrier, all of a sudden, I was considered an enemy. And so to me, I kind of chuckled to myself, to be honest. I thought, whoa, this is like pretty strange. And I actually kind of felt sorry for her. And I kind of gave her a bit of a smile. And, mate, it just took it up another level. She started spitting, had to get my umbrella out and, like, make my way through there. It was, it was crazy. And, you know, the point of tonight's message is this, right? We cannot control other people. We can't control what other people believe. We can't control how other people behave. We can't control whether people mistreat us. We can't control whatever situation or circumstance we're in. But we can control how we respond. To people. It's the one thing we can control. And this is where we're going to zoom in tonight on what Jesus said about he, how he calls us to respond. How he calls us to respond to our enemies. 
And we're going to have a look at Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 36, and pull also some lines from Matthew, another disciple, and his observations about the same account. And we're going to read this, and then we're going to make some observations about it. So Jesus said, he said, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is an Old Testament law. And right now, it feels like we live in this Old Testament world where if you've got to love people that agree with you in your little huddle, but you hate everyone else to justify your position. And he goes on. But to you who are willing to listen, and that's one thing, we've got to be willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Love those on the other side of the barricade. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt and persecute you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer them your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. See, if you love only those who love you and are kind to you and are your friends, and they all agree with what you believe, Why should you get any credit for that? That's easy. Even sinners and corrupt tax collectors love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to only those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. And then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. He gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And I love this part. You must be compassionate. Just as your father is compassionate. Now there is so much that we could drag from that scripture. We could just talk for weeks on it. Um, And tonight we're only going to just be scratching the surface. And so we're going to be talking about three key points that we can pull from this scripture and what Jesus says about loving our enemies, those who believe or behave differently to us or who mistreat us. And the first point is this, loving your enemies will cost you. It costs you to love people on the other side of the barricade. So it's easy, it's really easy to love people who agree with you. It's, it's great. You agree with me? We're all good. It's easy to love those because it doesn't cost you something. But do you know what? True love costs us something. So when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, what he was talking about is the posture of our heart in prioritizing relationship over being right. I'm prior, the posture of my heart is I want to prioritize our relationship over being right. What it says, turning the other cheek, says, I will pay the cost. I will pay the cost to de-escalate the situation because I value the relationship more than winning. Again, I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to stop it here. I will pay the cost, a slap in the face, um, to de-escalate the situation because I value our relationship more than winning. So if you think about slapping on the cheek, one slap, will lead to a bigger slap, which might lead to a a hit, and it just escalates all the way. Someone in there will pay the cost to de-escalate the situation. And when you love people and prioritise relationship, you're willing 
to pay the cost. And one of those costs is the cost of being right. See, it feels great to be right, doesn't it? It's like if you, do, if you argue succinctly enough, you articulate your position, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh you're right. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. <laughs> or you predict something's going to happen or something, you tip the right footy team or, you know, you make an argument for something and people disagree with you, but in the end, you're proven to be right. And you're like, ha, <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I was, I was right about that. Hey, 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 me. Hey, I, I was right. Yeah, me. Does anyone, it feels great, doesn't it? I was right. It's like, good on you, mate. <laughs> it feels good to be right. But the thing is, when, when you love people, you, you can be right, but also so wrong. Because you might have won the argument, but you might have lost the person. You might win the argument, but you might have lost the person. And the relationship, it's not that we can't disagree. But I'm talking in the heat of the moment. What do we prioritise is more important. The other cost to loving our enemies is the cost of our reputation. So if you fall either side of the aisle in some of these topics, even if you have a conviction about this position, if you go and spend time with people in this position, you jump over the other side of the barricade, all of a sudden your friends are like, what? what? You believe in that? What are you doing hanging out with those people? You can't. Do you believe those things that they I can't believe that. And your reputation can be at risk. They're like, what are you doing hanging out with them? And they make judgments against your character. And this is exactly what happened with Jesus as well. See, Jesus did not agree with the behavior of the prostitutes. Jesus didn't agree with the behavior of the tax collectors who were basically thieves and extortionists. But he valued them enough to cross the barricade, to be willing to be misunderstood, to have his reputation damaged to come and show them love and mercy and grace and express to them that they are created in the image of God and have eternal worth. For us, we risk reputation spending time. And Jesus lost his reputation. He was known. He had a reputation for spending time with notorious sinners. But Jesus said, it's worth it to cross the barricade and love my enemies. And there's the account also of the Good Samaritan. And the, the Good Samaritan is a story that Jesus tells about a Jewish man who traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way there, he was beaten up, he was flogged, he was left dead um, on the road. And, and two people came past, two people in his little huddle. Two Jewish people, a priest and another Jewish guy, came along, saw him on the, other, on the side of the road, left, left to die, and they crossed the road. It's inconvenient, it's not worth me paying the cost. But then a Samaritan came along. And a Samaritan, you couldn't get more polar opposites against the Jews. The Jews were despised. They despised each other. And then we zoom in to a verse from Luke chapter 10, verse 33. And it says this. It says, Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. When, when this Samaritan, who was an enemy, this is, Je- this is in the context of Jesus telling us how to love our neighbor, of how to love our neighbor, of how to love our enemy. Here's a Samaritan who's on the opposite side of the aisle, but then this Samaritan came along and he had compassion on him. Compassion, the definition for the English word compassion, some people say it literally means to suffer with. So here's this Samaritan, an enemy. What he did is he put himself in the position of this man 
and wonder what it would be like to go through the pain that he's going through. He decided to remove the label of Jew, remove whatever labels were there to cross the barricade and he had compassion on him. He saw him as a fellow human being rather than this is a label or this is a belief that you had. He crossed the lines and he went to help him. And he helped him and, and the next few scriptures talk about how he, he bought into an inn and he paid all the costs and gave a whole lot of time to help this man recover. For us, when we choose to love our enemies, it will cost us. And we'll just jump forward a few scriptures. It was inconvenient. It cost him time and money and emotional capacity. The first point is this, that when when we love people, and especially our enemy, it it will cost us something. The second point is this, loving your enemies equals freedom. It actually equals true freedom to love your enemies. You can step into freedom by making this choice. See, again, you can't control people's beliefs and their behaviours and how they treat you, right? What we can control is our response. And get this, get this. Our response will reveal either a victim mentality or a freedom mentality. Our response to other people will reveal about ourselves whether we have a victim mentality or a freedom mentality. So how does it work? Well, if we have something done to us or we feel justified to bring vengeance or judgment or we need to pay them back in some, whatever way it is, we then bear the burden. We bear the burden, the responsibility to be carriers of justice, to bring revenge, to bring judgment. We become judge and jury and, and it's a weight that we can bear. We feel the responsibility and the burden and it actually hems us in. We actually, when we have a victim mentality, we're we're hemmed in by the weight that we carry of we need to bring justice. But God actually wants us not to live in that way, but he wants us to live free. What he wants us to do is bring our burdens, bring our hurts, bring these injustices and bring them to God and, and leave them in the hands of God so that we can be free, that we can move on. We see in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 to 21. The first verse in verse 17, it says, Never pay back evil with, with, with more evil. It's, it's, actually, it's never the right thing to do. Well, you've done this evil, I'm just going to slap you harder. I'm just going to bring a greater level of evil to overcome you. Never pay back evil with evil. You, again, you avoid the escalation. And it goes on to say, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. In other words, God is the perfect judge. He can see our thoughts. He sees the beginning of time to the end. He is the perfect judge to bring perfect justice to a situation. And he is the one that's able to do it. Even if we wanted to do it, we could never bring justice to a situation. There's a whole other conversation about that, but just follow me. Instead, this is our responsibility. Instead, if you, this is our burden to carry. This is freedom. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. 
Don't, let, don't be a victim to evil, but God has empowered us. He wants to step us into freedom. He's empowered us not to live as victims, but to live in freedom and not to allow evil to conquer us, but actually we conquer evil, not by doing more evil, but by doing good. It's like, how does that work? This is the love of God. See, we have a choice to live in freedom and to leave the revenge in the hands of God. We can't choose the evil that happens to us, but we are all empowered to choose our own response. We can give this burden to God, and this truly is freedom. And now, when I I talk about this, I don't mean, you know, love and forgiveness is different to trust, right? Jesus commands us to love everyone. He commands us to forgive everyone. But in no way are we required to trust everyone. There's things that have happened to us where we're called to forgive so we can be free. You know, someone said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness is actually, it pollutes us. But to forgive someone and to love someone doesn't mean we have healthy boundaries around our life. I mean, even Jesus himself said, I, I, sorry, I don't trust you. <laughs> I don't trust, he doesn't trust everyone, but he does love everyone. Even when Jess and I started hanging out. I remember a few, a few months into us hanging out before we were dating, Jess told me one day, like, yeah, I, 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 I don't fully trust you. I was like, oh, okay then. Oh, but, but, I, but I said to her, but actually I had a moment of sanity, just one little moment of sanity. And, and I said, well, actually, that's okay. Like, because trust is earned. Trust isn't demanded and trust is earned. And we don't have to give our trust to everyone but it's something that we give to people that are trustworthy. But we are all called to live in freedom and to forgive and to love our enemies. And the third point is this, third and final point is this. When we love our enemy, we're literally being like God. When we love people who have different views to us, who mistreat us, who behave differently to us, then literally we are being like God. Again, the scripture says, when you love your enemy... In the first scripture, when you love your enemy, your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly, truly be acting as children, as the Most High. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. You know, I just imagine what would it be like for us if we were willing to build bridges and to suffer with the people that are going through hurt and pain in their life. They might have different beliefs. Like the prostitutes Jesus hung out with. He didn't agree with their behavior, but he, he, got, into, he got in the mess with them. He felt what they felt. He, he probably understood the brokenness in their life. And instead of casting stones or grenades or having barriers up there, what Jesus did is he crossed the barriers and he built, built bridges and relationships. And I'd love us to be a people, to be a church. There's an invitation from God. Would you build bridges with people? Would you build bridges so that people can encounter the reality of my love for you? I'd love us to be a church who is willing to pay the cost, the cost to love people, to love our enemies. Let's be a church that has a freedom mentality (laughs) rather than a victim mentality. We, We are empowered. You are more empowered than you think. You're capable with what God has given you to step into freedom. And let's be a church that demonstrates the love of God by leaving our comfort zones and being willing to suffer with people as well.
And I just want to finish finish with this point. Sometimes when we hear a message like this, we're like, whoa, that is, that is tough. That sounds almost impossible for me to do on my own. I don't, I don't feel like I've got the tank for that. Well, the truth is, it's, it's true because when it comes to finance, you can only be as generous as you can with as much money as in your bank. But it's the same when it comes to the love. When we can love our enemies, our love is limited by how much love is, if you like, in our tank. And the truth is that all of us are invited not to rely on the limit, limited supply of our own love, but to, tap, but to tap in to receive the endless love that God has for every single one of us. Um, I'd love us just to all stand tonight as we end and the band can come up and join me. I love this verse from Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And this is, this is what our God did. It says, God demonstrated His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still on the other side of the barricade, before we believed, before we started behaving, Christ Jesus died for us. He paid the greatest cost for you and I. Even as we mistreated God, even as we rejected Him, even as we crucified Him, on that cross as humanity, Jesus himself said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus forgives us and his love, this endless love that he has for us is available to anyone who belongs to him, anyone that would simply come to him. And what we love to do at the end of every single service is to give people the opportunity to connect with God, maybe for the first time. You know, at the end of every single service, we invite everyone into the opportunity to maybe begin a relationship with God, with God for the first time. And Rigson just shared so beautifully before, didn't she? She shared so powerfully. She didn't understand everything there was to know about God, but she, she tasted enough. She had the taste tester. She tasted enough to go, wow, I want to buy the full meal. I want to jump in. I don't understand how it's all made. I don't understand all the ingredients, but I like the taste of that and I want to have the full meal. You know, tonight, maybe you've tasted the goodness of God. You don't have to understand anything, but this is the truth. God loves you so much. And He has an endless river of love that He wants to pour into your heart, healing your hurts, healing your pains, but also the invitation to have a relationship with Him that starts not only in this life, in this moment, but that can last for eternity. And God made that possible by sending Jesus to die. So there used to be one barricade that separated humanity from God that was represented by a curtain in a temple, like a curtain here that we see, the black curtains. There was a temple in the, in the temple that represented this barrier between us and God. We were called enemies, if you like, of God. We rejected God. We turned away. But when Jesus died on the cross in the moment 2,000 years ago, when He took the full penalty for our sin, He paid the full debt for our sin, for our guilt, for our shame, the unloving things that we've done to other people. He took the full payment upon Himself on that cross. And in that instant when He died, that curtain was torn from top to bottom. The barrier was eradicated. And no longer are we separated from God. And now every single one of us are invited to make a choice for ourselves. Will we cross that line? Will we surrender our lives to God? And will we receive His love and His forgiveness for us? It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith that says, God, I trust in Jesus, what you have done for me. I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead three days later to give me a gift of eternal life. 
And so what I'd love to do right now is just to say a prayer with you. If there's people here, maybe you want to begin a relationship with God for the first time tonight, in this moment. You want to tap into that endless reservoir of love that God has for you. Maybe people watching and listening online tonight, you'd like to say a prayer that says, God, I step over that line as an act of faith. I reach out and I trust in you. And just like Rigson, her life has never been the same since. Her life has been totally transformed as she encountered the love of God. She was free from the burden of trying to do more good deeds than bad deeds, but she received by faith this gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And so what I'd love to do is say a prayer with you tonight. And um, so I just ask everyone to close their eyes across this room right now. If that's you tonight and you'd love me to include you in this prayer, to give your life to Jesus, to say yes to Him, then in a moment I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand nice and high because I'd love to include you in this prayer. It's a simple prayer. It says, God, I want to put my faith in you. Would you forgive me? I give my life to you. Maybe you're watching and listening online. Maybe you're out there in the overflow room as well. And so right now, if that's you and you'd like to, me to include you in this prayer, would you be bold and courageous? If your heart is beating, there's something going on in your side, on the inside for you, if that's you, then I'll just ask you to put your hand nice and high so I can see it, so I can pray with you right now. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Just don't want to rush this moment. Just want to give you just a, just a few more moments. If that's you and you want to say yes, thank you so much. That is a bold, courageous decision. You can put your hand down now. That is so awesome. Thank you so much. That is powerful. Your life will never be the same again. just want to give just one or two moments more. Is there anyone else here? Maybe you've drifted from God for many years and tonight you want to draw a line in the sand and you'll say, God, once again, I surrender my life into your hands again. I give it all to you. Maybe tonight if that's you, why don't you put your hand up nice and high so I can include you in this prayer. Thank you, Lord. That is awesome. So good. How can we give that one person a big round of applause who made that decision tonight? So awesome. I just love if there's people that are in the overflow room as well or people watching and listening in line, if that's you, then why don't you pray along with me tonight? Let's all pray and repeat this prayer after me tonight. Let's say it. Dear God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died for me. Would you forgive me of my sin? I believe you died and rose again to defeat death and give me eternal life. I surrender my life into your hands. Would you fill me with your love? Fill me with your power. Fill me with your spirit from this moment for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, God, we just thank you so much for that person, Lord. I, I just thank you for your love to fill that one person and every single person in this place as well. Lord, as we talk about loving our enemies, Lord God, we thank you that we have your limitless supply of love that we can hold on to, that we can receive right now. And I thank you for the power of your spirit that enables us to be a church, to be a people, Lord God, that we step out in courageous love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Let's just thank God one more time. He's so good. We're going to finish off with this final song. Come on, why don't we clap? Woo! 
what an awesome message. Hey, I had a great time. I don't know about you, but that was just such a great message, great service. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, then we would love to hear from you. We would love to do this journey together. So if that was you, there's a link in our description. Click that link and fill out the information. We would love, to, this journey is a journey done better together. Uh, and so we'd love to be in contact and just to know who's responding and, and, and who's a part of our community in this awesome digital family that we've just started. Um, and also, if you want to get involved in a Zoom party, you still can. It's the same link in our description. There'll be an option there for Zoom parties. We'd love to see you there. Uh, and you just fill out a little form. We'll hook you up with the Zoom party info. But apart from that, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.